Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Invincible Season 1, from The Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman. The series stars Stephen Young, Sandra Oh and J.K. Simmons. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. Yeah, this, um, of course, everyone knows Robert Kirkman for The Walking Dead, but at the same time he launched The Walking Dead, he actually launched Invincible alongside it um, within the first six issues of Walking Dead, which was his superhero comic to run alongside The Walking Dead, giving his two loves uh, a realistic zombie survival with Walking Dead and a realistic but very colorful superhero comic with Invincible that does somewhat deal with the real aspects of someone with superpowers hitting someone without superpowers. <laughs> um, and in a full color format, like you do in the comic books and you do get on the TV show, it is surprisingly shocking how effective the visuals actually are. Um, Ryan Otley did all but the first story arc of the comics, which from memory went a hundred and it was actually an odd number. I think it was like 154 issues somewhere around there. But um, for this first season, it kind of combines the first two trades into an eight-episode arc. But um, phenomenal. What, about, what do you think about it? I mean, first off, that was a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I purposely referenced The Walking Dead in the opening there because that is what most people know Robert Kirkman for. There's been other adaptions on TV. Outcast, The Possession comic i think that went for at least two seasons maybe three yeah but the walking dead that's the big one for him and i didn't realize with the comics it was so close like six months between walking dead and then starting invincible yeah and it was a matter of when you read the walking dead comics as i'm sure you're aware they're actually not in color they're in uh grayscale or black and white um, because when he started doing Walking Dead with Image, the agreement was you, we produce as many issues, uh, this many copies per issue for the first few issues. Uh, and then if we sell through, fine, you make profit and it comes back to you. But we have to cover our printing costs first before you get any uh, dividends. And then uh, as it expands, if it fails to make sell enough issues, you take on the costs from issue four onwards that aren't being covered by the sales. That being the case, it's cheaper to print in black and white than it is to print in color. So as a way to ensure that he got enough copies out, he took the risk on printing in black and white. By issue three or four, he was moving enough issues to move to color, which is how he actually initially presented was I wanted to present it. But by then the tone felt better in black and white. So he never changed it. It never went to color. I think he started doing color versions now, but it was always in black and white, even though it was all designed to be in color like that, which is why the colors, the covers are in full color. Invisible is the other way around. 
he'd moved out the first story arc of Walking Dead. He'd established he'd, he'd start and make money and could afford to pay for Invincible as intended. Full color with the amount of time necessary to get each issue out. Um, and I can't, unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the artist who did the first story arc, but Ryan Otley did uh, from the second story arc, literally until finish. Um, and he's one of the consultants on the show, but it is phenomenal. And that's the big thing is so many people know Walking Dead, but those who know Invincible, uh, it's his, I say it's his best work. You know, working in the comic book store, if someone ever picked up a volume one of Invincible, you could bet almost to 100% certainty they'd come back and finish the whole lot. And they'd become obsessive about it of like, oh my God, I need the next one. When's the next one coming in? How long out before the next trade? They were like, it was like fiends. They just needed the next story hit. That's how good it was. Um, which is as Walking Dead got longer, you had that less. And as it got towards the end and it actually did finish, it was easy for people to just pick it up in one big lump and just smash through it. But you got to imagine the people who were reading it for, you know, 10 years or so. That was a long time, like, to, to follow a comic. So they were very comfortable to wait a story arc or even a year's worth of comics and read two story arcs back to back and then wait a year for Walking Dead. Invincible guys were not that way. They needed it and they needed it as soon as possible. I can contribute something here. The original artist was Corby Walker. That's it, yeah. I have picked up the first trade. I purposely held off from reading it until we do this review, so I can only just speak to the show. But I will be reading it as soon as we finish. What I did find is that before Invincible had his own series, which debuted in 2003, it first appeared in a preview as part of Savage Dragon issue 102 in August 2002. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, Image used to do this a lot back in the day before they found their current very successful business model, where you know, it was a way to tease people. And in fact, you'd even get like just few issue uh, pages at the back of issues of like, hey, you might want to check this out um, as a way to cross promote cheaply um, with to their already established reading base. But it's amazing how deep under the radar this entire series has run its its entire lifespan um and it's so nice they were talking i think they might still be kicking about the idea of doing live action films um the reason they went with the animated show for the season one is purely on cost you have your protagonist who flies um has super strength large big set pieces um every single episode the cost on a live action series would be astronomical the boys only gets away with it because all of your main protagonists are actually powerless and they're on the street and then only here and there do you get to see something over the top with someone with superpowers whereas yeah this show is every single episode um but it's well, phenomenal it's, it really it's is interesting interesting to say that because it was originally optioned by universal pictures in 2017 as a feature film with seth rogan and evan goldberg developing and that's obviously before it was picked up by amazon for a tv series i don't know if at that time they were intending on it being live action but this works well as animated 
It does, yeah. Um, and I think that's where the strength of animation really comes in because it's it's a, even easier to adapt straight off a comic book page into animation because you don't have to make something work in a real life context you don't have to make the costumes alter to fit a human form you don't have to alter aliens and monsters to something that you can use either practically or that might look off-putting or out of uh the realms of realism when you move it into cg um and the, the you can do literal panels out of the comics on an animated show um and i've watched people uh, uh, animators online break down the animation on invincible and they say like initially it doesn't look as high-end as it is because they're using comic book and very simple animation techniques to keep their animation down because it's it's a high action paced series you have to do so many more drawings to do action and they're finding what sneaky ways to make it more effective to make sure it gets out on time. Like when you look at the cityscapes and stuff, they're really highly detailed in all of the drawings. And when a character's just standing there and, uh, and interacting like in a normal way, it's all well. It's when they have to move with speed and stuff that the animation and the drawings become more simple. But because of that, when they do hit and like, someone's face explodes or something you know <laughs> all the simplicity yeah. of all the the drawings makes when they put in like an organ or something flying out, out across the screen it ends up with that much more impact because it's almost simplified so yeah, that wow, little bit of point. detail catches your attention and that and it's super effective it does happen we a lot see a lot of body parts flying yeah. all over the place a lot of organs yeah. Before we get into all that, I'll do a quick run through of the plot. And I think the best way to speak or talk about this show is through the characters because, wow, there is so many characters. And this is, there's only eight episodes this season, but so yeah. many characters feature. And with those characters, like the cast is incredible. So oh, this this be, is a huge cast. Oh, it's insane. Like, a-list talent as well. And a lot of cast from Walking Dead as well. We'll get to that, but I'll just do the plot and then we can get straight into the characters. Yeah. 17-year-old Mark Grayson is just like every other guy's age, except that his father is Omni-Man, the most powerful superhero on the planet. As Mark develops powers of his own, he discovers his father's legacy may not be as heroic as it seems. That in itself... I knew nothing going in. Again, I have the trade. I haven't started. I didn't know what to expect from this show. And the mystery, I really enjoyed finding out. We knew Omni-Man did take out the good guys, the team. Was it Global Guardians? Guardians of the Globe, yeah. I think Global Guardians, maybe DC. That is the yeah. thing as well with this show. There's a lot of characters. Oh, look, it's the Batman character. It's yep. the Green Lantern character, so you do get a lot of that. But that's right, yes. Yeah. So we knew in that first episode, Omni-Man has a dark secret. But I really enjoyed the mystery, and it kept almost opening up throughout the season until the series finale. Holy crap. And we, we, uh, will, we will get that. That was, that 
was so brutal. And we got a lot of violence, which in hindsight, it was really getting us ready for episode eight. Yeah. yeah. To take it to, to the next level. With the cast, we can start, let's start with, well, Invincible. We've got Stephen Young as Mark Grayson. Yeah, and it's um, it's so intelligent that they ha- introduce you through the world through this person's point of view. Uh, not only is he the main character, but it's you know he's familiar with both sides. He's grown up without any abilities, um, but yeah, with full knowledge or what he thought was full knowledge of what superhero side of things was like having his father be basically Superman. He's got, doesn't have all of Superman's abilities, but he is very heavily prototyped against Superman. He is the Superman character. Yeah. From an alien world, super strong, practically indestructible. Hence his name that he picks invincible. Um, But also, so the reshoots for justice league, and we've seen them online, like behind the scene pics of Henry Cavill with a mustache. Invincible did it first. They yeah. put a mustache yeah. on Superman. Yeah. Um, and uh, the fact also that he's um, biracial, being uh, half, half, well, so say half Caucasian, but he's but, oh, half alien, but also, also half, I. yeah, half Asian, uh, having uh, an Asian mother. And that gives, helps really ground that person with two heritages. Because so many people uh, now, if they don't come from multiple heritages or they have friends or other direct family members who come from multiple backgrounds. Um, and it, as I said, as the fact that he's, he's going to a normal high school and he's having to live, he's being bullied, even though his father's the most powerful man on the planet. Um, and he's having trouble with girls and he's got a... Uh, his best friend who's gay but you know is no knows that he's a nerd and kind of useless but then he knows he's got as i said what he thinks is inside knowledge and what a superhero life is actually like behind the scenes until his powers manifest episode one he starts getting into it and it's not quite what he thought i've got to correct myself as well uh bill Tremont. That's what it is. I said Ultramac. That's I don't know. What it is. That's something. That's something different. Yeah, it's it's an interesting take on on a character because seeing mainstream superheroes. I know this. You know, we're talking about an Image Comics title, but having a biracial character as your lead, it's not it's not too common. I should yeah. say as well. Stephen Young mentioned he's the voice of Invincible, and this is going to happen a lot. You'd know him as Glenn from The Walking Dead. Funny enough, yes, you would. <laughs> you know, Kirkman has cast a Walking Dead character. I know he's not been around for a while. Spoiler, um, but yeah, Glenn yeah. is essentially invincible. And as I'm seeing, just visually, I'm looking at him in his costume, and my first thought was, he, has he got an eye for image, as in image comics? And then I'm like, ah, oh, invincible. That makes more sense. Yeah, he's got the yeah. eye. We're invincible. Just his name. Oh, how about the title card? Oh, like, so remember, brilliant! I remember one episode. I can't remember which one it was, but it must have been like at least 
15 minutes before somebody would say invincible and before you hear them say it cuts the title card i, I yeah. love that so much you just wait for someone to say it and there was one episode later on where someone went to say it but didn't and the show continued and then you got to the title yeah, card yeah. it's so <laughs> it good so it became well like a a little game to like oh wait well, how are they going to get it in this episode where are they going to get used to say his name uh and of course from episode to episode that title card gets bloodier and bloodier yeah. Yeah. as the oh. show goes forward it's so it's such a such a great storytelling technique that you don't quite realize what how effective it is until the payoff of the entire really, season really bloody at the end Something on that as well, also, as well as the title card getting bloodier and bloodier of every episode, this doesn't usually happen for TV. Each episode got a new poster without fail every week. Yeah. And it was, you know, social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, wherever. And it was referred to as um, hashtag Invincible Friday. Every Friday, you would get a new episode on Prime and online, a brand new poster. Yeah great it's such smart marketing it, it um, really is and it's adapted from comics it's visual yeah it's a great choice i'm always on the lookout for new posters for movies and tv so for me it was excellent like not only do i get a new <laughs> episode i get a new poster every week i'm gonna miss the posters as much as the show we should yeah. say as well it's already been picked up for seasons two and three yeah as it should i mean the fact it was coming out on friday for for you as well as me, I'm sure it was the same thing. My Friday was rush home, uh, wait for my housemate and his girlfriend to get home. We do uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier first. And then like, as soon as that was out of the way, I was like, all right, time for Invincible. Uh, and I, don't, I was struggling to really comprehend which one I liked more. They were both so good. But that's how very, good yes. an animated show this is. It is, yeah, yeah. They're definitely, but very different shows as well. Um, not quite at the same league, but something I'm enjoying. I've also got a third show that I've added to my Friday nights, and it is The Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Yeah. <laughs> Great show. Great show. Yeah. Not quite Invincible and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it's still a lot of fun. Dan, you talking about the characters would be the best way to talk about this show. I mean, we've literally talked about one actor so far <laughs> like so let's maybe yeah. let's talk about sandra O oh as debbie grayson mark's mother and omniman's wife yeah um who is a another fantastic get for oh, she this show excellent i know a lot of people are going to know her from gray's anatomy back in the day for me killing eve yeah yeah, absolutely. Absolutely love that show, that first season in particular. So when I heard that she was cast in this show, perfect. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, she is a mother dating. She, she's basically, she's not Lois Lane because she's not a reporter. She is a real estate agent, a successful one. But, you know, she, um, she understands that she's got this son. He might become a superhero. He might not. Very tight-knit family unit. Um, so then, as the show goes on, one, her husband almost gets killed in episode one, which we'll get to. And she's terrified of, like, is someone after us? Why isn't anyone telling me anything? But her son's also just got his powers. So then from 
episode, I think it's episode three onwards. Mark is training with his dad and she, there's, she's starting to feel a little bit less connected to the two of them. Cause they've got something in common. She can never quite understand. Um, and that's so accurate for a mother as, and probably any parent as the kids go through their teenage years and they start to create distance, but she's, she's getting it in a really, really extreme way. And it's, it's really smart. And, you know, she's not stupid. She's brave and she knows things are happening and she hunts down the truth, but she's playing, she's, she's keeping it together and she's really, really knowing like how dangerous it is of like, could this be right? Should I keep following it down? But also yeah. not backing down of like when people get in her face, she's like <laughs> talking to the uh, Nick Fury S character of Cecil. Um, like, you know, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> like yeah. she doesn't care who you are. Like yeah, she's, yeah, you know, broke. and on that, right. And you mentioned she was doing some investigating earlier. Yes. She's not a reporter, but she's still, she's the lowest lane character. She's doing a little bit of investigating. She's checking out CCTV. She's found the blooded costume. She's one of the first people to openly suspect that Nolan, you know, Om- Omni-Man, could potentially be, be guilty. So I, I got a lot of Lois Lane vibes, but you're right. In the beginning, they make a point of saying that she's a realtor. That's what yeah. she does. But yeah. yeah, she's she's soon she very much out of any other character. Like if we're gonna say, hey, that's the Superman character, that's the Green Lantern character, she's still the lowest lane character. She is, but she's just not imperiled all the time. That's true. <laughs> that's, that's true. She doesn't. Yeah, there's not a lot of times where she necessarily needs rescuing by by Omni Man. Let's talk about him, also known as Nolan Grayson, played by. J.K. Simmons. What a get for this show. The genius of casting J.K. Simmons in this part. Because, you know, we've had in animation older superheroes before. An example would be Batman Beyond. We've got old man Bruce Wayne. Yeah. They, they kept Kevin Conroy, Why Wouldn't You, from Batman the Animated Series. But, you know, just got him to sound a little bit older. And that's that's essentially what happens usually in animation. Like they'll go to a younger actor and say, we need you to sound a bit older. What they've done here with J.K. Simmons and it's genius, he sounds like an older guy. Yeah. And he's got yeah, the great temples, a... he's got the mustache, but he actually sounds older and it just, it's perfect for this show. It is. Um, and it also helps that Omni-Man really does look like J. Jonah Jameson, if he has superpowers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen um I've seen a couple of like fan edits online, and one of them is Nick Offerman as Omni Man. Because <laughs> you know, he's yeah. got a tash. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But he doesn't have that like that rich texture to his voice like J.K. Simmons. And like and J.K. Simmons, you know, you know, people know him from a, a range of things, but he really does have that scope from being able to do light and relatable and funny, like full comedy all the way through to dark, disturbing, like aggressive characters. And he, Omni-Man needs both. 
you need to be like relatable and lighthearted someone that you can look up to, but also someone you can be terrified of because when he, when he puts his game face on, he is truly terrifying. And you get a little, you get it right at the end of episode one, which is like a slap in the face of like, what the hell just happened at the end of an episode. Right. And then you get these little bits of him throughout the season, just being like cold. And you're like, what? He's at some point he's going to, he's going to lighten up and he's going to step in or, I oh, know he's just he's just being a like a, a disciplinarian or a teacher and he's gonna yeah. like soften up and he never does. No. And when you get into that final episode, it all sort of like oh, lines man, up in your brain and yeah. it's it's so good. It's so, so well good. done. It's so good. Yeah. Background on the character, so he was born on Viltrum to a superpowered alien race. His parents died in his youth before Nolan aided the Viltrumite Empire's intergalactic expansion over several thousand years. And that's the thing with his character. He's old. Like he's been like they age differently to to humans, which is which comes into play. He infiltrated Earth 20 years before the series with a civilian identity as a famous travel writer amassing a small fortune. While he killed thousands of people, to teach Mark the futility of opposing Viltrum, seeing he brutalized his son broke Nolan's developed humanity, abandoning Earth in tears. I've kind of jumped to the end there. But that was an interesting bait because episode eight is essentially just like it's a violent mess. Like, and Mark gets beaten to a pulp and I thought they played it really well and without the comparisons to the comic how it appears in the show I'm not sure if it's different to the comic was just perfect like he literally knocked out Mark's teeth when he's on the mountain and he's punching him over and over and over and he gets that flashback to when Mark was playing baseball and he's got his teeth have fallen out that time of his yeah. life, and, yeah. and it and it took him back there, and it was that that moment of humanity that made him flee and stop. Yeah, um, and I was fortunate enough that my housemate has read the comic, so he could comment to me in real time of like, "Oh okay. man, they're they're wrecking Chicago." And he goes, "They didn't do this in the comic. It was just you know he did not not the." the vicious way of like, he was literally on purpose putting human lives at risk to, to, to drive home the point. I'm like, you can't save these people. They're weak. They're soft. Look at them. Like, you think you can stop these people? Why would you want to? Like that was not in the comic. That's something they've added to give right. more context and texture for the show. But I think in like, when you read the comic, it will feel flatter because of it, because that really, helps put in your head this huge concept like you said he's thousands of years old he's like you know uh, a human lifetime is a blink to him um and also you know you get he tells in that this eighth episode the entire history of his people about how brutal it was to get to the point of which they are now that they can't allow weakness and how dominant but you know as they expand and expand they just don't have the numbers to just keep punching with just like an army, they the too thinly stretched, so they've adapted their technique um, and their um, way of going about things. But when that's why, I mean, these aren't him. 
being a dick to get Mark on his side. He's being literal, like, what the hell do you think is going to come about all of this? Like, the don't you understand how, literally how small they are? You can't. You're so young. Give it another 500 years, 1,000 years. Like, you know, how how long will it take you to learn this lesson? I'm going to give it to you now. I should have get, I should have grazed you this way. Uh, but he didn't because he was, you know, he didn't, as you said, he was developing a humanity and also playing his part of being like a subversive uh, advance force. But oh, it, it works. And it's the line delivered as well. He's like, after 500 years, what would you even be left on this world uh, and all these people and loved ones. And Mark just through bloody uh, mashed face is like, I'd have you with a tear running down his face. Yes. And it's like breaks him. Yeah, it's like right there. So good. Yeah, it was, is like, even was, after having been beaten yeah. by his father this way, he still loves him. And that's, that's yeah. all it takes. And it's so powerful. Yeah. And that it's was after such... Nolan, you know, speaking with Mark referred to his mum as a pet. Yeah, he feels about her like he would do a pet. Yeah, it's just something that's happening in the moment, and he's going to move past it. But yeah, that was that was such a good line, Mark. Yeah, Yeah. it was played really well. The talent as well. It's not just the writing, but the talent of the performers that really sell the whole moment. The the cast is insane. Well, 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 okay. The global. I know that again. The Guardians (laughs) of the Globe. We talked about them already. So they are a superhero team that's been around for decades by the time the series begins. They are loosely based on the Justice League. The massacre of the original five membership sparks the plot in season one, resulting in new members replacing them. We can go through the new roster. We've got Zachary Quinto as Robot, formerly of the team team before merging the membership with New Guardians as their leader. But then we find out there's a lot more going on with Robot than than we realized. In reality, is a drone extension of the original Rudolph Connors from his survival tank before having the Mauler twins create a new body with Rexplode's DNA. And then he yeah. is a boy. It was yeah. this creature in a tank and there's a lot going on with this character. Yeah, he's a 30 year old man, but he's been, he's, he was born with a defect, but like it's uh, an enormous intelligence um, and was have happy living as basically a robot through these drones until he meets the other member of the team, monster girl um, who has a similar reflection of, she's actually 24 years old and she started out as monster woman, but cause she, basically hulks out but it's a curse where she turns into this big monster lady thing um it constantly de-ages her every time she transforms so now she appears like a 14 year old girl 12. even though she's yeah, so 12 she's literally but yeah like in throughout the episode yeah, she's she's half in age so robot or rudolph or whatever we're calling him now rudy he's now gonna try and do for her what what he's done for himself. Monster Girl, like when she's in the girl form, she's voiced by Greg Griffin. Yeah. She's Daphne in the Scooby-Doo movies and animated series. She has been for a while. Yeah, and Selena she's Kyle, those, Catwoman. 
Yeah, there you go. I was going to say, she's one of those actresses, voice actors, that is just everywhere. She also voices Shrinking Ray, who is a size-manipulating superhero. She's also selected to join the new Guardians roster. So she's the, the girl version, Amanda. But then when it's Monster Girl, it's Kevin Michael Richardson. And <laughs> he cool. does a few other characters as well. Um, okay, we're, right, ro- yeah, Robot. We're talking about Robot. Ross Marquand, he's the... I stopped watching Walking Dead. Do you know, can you remember who plays in Walking Dead? No, no, I He stopped. came in later on. I think he's, um, his boyfriend died, but then he stayed on with the main... The main team, okay, is is known for being a um, an impersonator. Like he can do celebrity voices, and he was actually the voice of Red Skull in Endgame. Oh wow! Because Hugo yep. Weaving didn't come back, but he's yep. a guy that is all over the show. Uh, Ross Marquand, like he, he pops up in so many different roles, uh, supporting characters, uh, additional voices. He's, yeah, he's makes all sense. Over the place. This roster is packed with characters, and you can't hire someone new for everyone, especially if you're going to be using talented voice actors. Like, there's the reason why uh, there are voice actors are constantly in work. It's because it's not just their voice; it's the voices they can do. Like a lot of yeah. on this show, as well as a DC animated show or a Disney animated series or a Marvel animated series, generally speaking, most of the cast is doing at least three or four characters. Yeah, that's right. But we do have somebody here that I don't think has done animation before, at least not on this scale. Gillian Jacobs as Atom Eve. Yeah. For me, I know her from community. So even Same. hearing a voice in this, it's hard not to just think internally, shut up, Britta. Like <laughs> the go-to line on community, but I'm honestly like because I'd only heard the character's name said in the show. It wasn't until doing prep for this that I got to find that a name is actually Adam Eve. I thought it was Adam Eve, which I thought was <laughs> odd for a superhero name, but she's got like the like the female male symbol on a costume. I yes. guess now the male symbols may be crossed out. I can't really remember now. But I was thinking yeah. her character was named Adam Eve because she's got the power to create. Yeah. Um, and and you know, her identity at school goes by Eve as well. But when you see her interact with the parents, her name's Sarah. I was like, What's, who are you? Samantha. You, you Samantha. Know, been, Is it not Samantha? Samantha. Sorry, yeah. So Samantha You're right, yeah. Eve Wilkins. But then yeah. she's a superhero. She's Atom Eve. Yeah, um, which it, every, I have not read the comic. I'm like, they're going to explain this. They're going to explain why she doesn't go by Sam, surely, at some point, um, which maybe will be in season two or three. But yeah, it's just, um, like even, that's another thing. Like, you know, she's the reliable, um, direct peer. For Mark to be like, hey, you know, not only do you go to my school, but you know the superhero life, uh, and they and they can go back and forth over problems they're having, 
and she's a, she's such a great character to have um way more powerful than she seems because as you said she can she's basically like firestorm she can just alter the atoms of anything to there create what go. she needs yeah that's who she is <laughs> um but she's also she's also projecting energy walls and stuff a bit more like a green lantern or someone of that or a jane gray from the x-men yeah because so, yeah, she yeah, so she's said to have matter and energy manipulating abilities hmm. so they kind of she could do almost everything like she's changing her clothes the environment she's making herself coffee like she's you know she's using her powers for a lot but you're right she's the shoulder for mark to lean on when when he needs it yeah uh and at the final episode they're like well, since you already know about Mark, you should probably know that, like, I'm Adam Eve. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're the one who can replicate yourself. <laughs> no, 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 that's somebody, that's somebody else. That's a different yeah, it's like, how do, you not, how do you not recognize the red hair and green eyes? It's so obvious. You know, I did read that one of the changes made while transitioning from comic to series was they made Adam Eve's breasts smaller. Makes sense. It makes sense. It's a good choice. In the comics, she is, again, more voluptuous. It comes after a time when she had to rebuild her body. And she must have thought, why not? Yeah, well, I'm at it. Let's go big. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, immediate influence and that kind of stuff, which is a very real thing. (laughs) A story point in the comics why she's suddenly got bigger breasts. For this show, you don't need it. The designs across the board, like the animation, you know, you talk to the quality of the action sequences, but the design in general, like it's such a clean looking show and it's bright. And it kind of, it could be, when it's not being violent and bloody, you could be watching a Marvel show, a DC show, and then it takes it beyond that. But it, it looks like a well put together show. Let's talk about his civilian identity is Rex Sloan, but his superhero alias, Rex Splode. Two words. Yeah. <laughs> Played, of course, by Jason Matsukas, who, wow. as soon as I heard his voice, I'm like, yeah. yep, I know who that is. I, I know that guy. He, he's brilliant. He is so good in everything that he turns up in. And... I was pleasantly surprised at how much he features. Isn't it quite a lot? And I thought yeah. he was going to be in it a little bit. Yeah, I, I Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, yeah, He's absolutely. so good in that show and, and in everything. He's one of those guys that whenever he's a part of something, he instantly makes it better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and his character, I mean, his voice has so much character to it anyway, but it fits his character who's such a dick so well because yes. <laughs> he does have like re- uh, like redeemable traits otherwise he you know you wouldn't feel for him at all but he he is a dick um and he's also basically gambit he charges ba- i think i'm pretty <laughs> sure they're coins and flicks them at people well yeah it can it can charge yeah it can charge anything pretty much so like yeah gambit, gambit chooses cards <laughs> And, yeah, and uh, Rex explode. Yeah, so pretty much anything. It can it can charge anything. 
Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, and that, and that's, that comes into the other side of him that he's a bit of a womanizer. You know, he was in a committed relationship with Adam Eve, but cheated on her with team member duplicate, uh, who, and that's what can't made tell. that even worse in episode eight, when they thought that Eve was duplicate, he's like, no, no, no. Yeah. So Rex, but Rex cheats on Eve because he's under the impression that Eve was dating invincible. So that got a bit, messy in the beginning but then it was revealed that they weren't actually cheating by that point eve quits the team we've talked about robot already but it's actually it's rexplode's dna that he uses to make a new body for himself and then yeah, everybody because... else is sort of like oh well yeah we can kind of see why you've done this and rex is like what are you talking about like yeah, he's yeah, using my like, dna why am i the only one that's not okay with this yeah it's like because you're a dick and no one cares <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh duplicate the other member of the team uh who's she's a multiple man she can create as many duplicates of herself as possible who all function independently but she feels what they all feel like which that's how adam e figures out something's wrong because duplicate comes out the shower but starts reacting because she's getting it on with rex in the shower and she can't suppress (laughs) the pleasure but i also like the little touch in her like every time one duplicates the number on the chest on duplicate prime is one but all the others, it goes two, three, four, five, and how many ty- duplicates yep. she's created. And they get killed a lot as well. Yeah. Her duplicates get massacred. So you know, whenever you see one, that's the prime Kate. That's yeah. the main duplicate girl. Or that's yeah, the main uh, duplicate. That's her name. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> because duplicate girl is a member of the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. Uh, and she's voiced by Melise who I looked up. I do recognize her from a bunch of other shows. Uh, she's, she was Melise Tao, um, who, but she's going by a single name. Doesn't get a lot to do. She's, she's one of the few characters on the show. They don't give quite as much uh, focus or uh, anything on. Um, unlike the other member of the final final member of the team, Black Samson, played by Carrie Payton, who had superpowers, something happened, he's lost them, and then starts using a suit to compensate. And he's the one with the experience. He's the best member of the team that robots sign for the new guardians of the globe. Um, and he's got like a chip on his shoulder, but he's also got, as I said, experience. He's got probably the best hand-to-hand combat of all of them and uh, should be de facto team leader, let's be honest, given yeah, his experience. He's, he's the only original guardian, isn't he? Because everybody else have graduated from the team team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's, a, he's, it's really interesting. Like the fact that, yeah, it makes the universe a bit more lived out or lived in because he already has this huge backstory of us. He has powers. And then when we, by the time we meet him, he hasn't had him, and he's been off the guardians of the globe team for a while because of this, because he has to rely on a, a suit to fight crime. Um, but over the course of the show, he gets the absolute crap beaten out of him. Like the rest of the team, 
Yeah. And his powers come back. It's like, hey, awesome. But yeah, um, that that ages the unit, the world in a way that you know it's smart because it doesn't feel like, oh, I just happened to start the show when all of this stuff is happening. It's like, no, that's bunch of stuff has happened a long time before we step into yeah, the picture. Of the- yeah, I do. I do like that. It's very lived in. There's a long history to this sh- to this world that we're being introduced to. This actor though. Uh, Carrie Payton, Cyborg in Teen Titans, Aqualad yep. in Young Justice, and a Walking Dead connection. He is Ezekiel with the Tigers in, yeah. in The Walking Dead. We, we could talk about yep. the original members because they're pretty much all voiced by actors that have starred in The Walking Dead. Yeah. This is very much a... Robert Kirkman show. And interestingly, I noticed he actually wrote episode eight. That was all That's him. cool. That's really he, cool. He wrote that episode. Okay, we have Lauren Cohen as Holly, war woman. She's a powerful warrior and co-benefactor of the Guardians. She's loosely based on Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. If you see a picture of her, if you watch episode one, it's not subtle. And remind me, it's been so long since I've seen Walking Dead. I can't remember her character, but I know she's a fan favorite. Who does she play in Walking Dead? Oh, she's um, pretty sure she's way back in like the first few seasons. Uh, I fan favorite of the comics, maybe not so much of the show. I think she's a character that lots of people liked, and then Zack Snyder cast her as Martha Wayne in the opening of Batman v Superman. I just yeah. I keep thinking Annie. I know it's not it's not that. But she was the daughter of the guy with the beard on the farm of season two. Honestly, I'm so far Maggie. out of Walking Dead. Maggie, that's it. There you go. So if you're unfamiliar with Lauren Cohen's name, she's Maggie from, from The Walking Dead. We've got Sinequa Martin Green as Alana, also known as Green Ghost a superhero in a green full body encasing with ghost-like powers. Of course, she is a loose pastiche of Green Lantern. The character was gender-swapped from the comics to the series, but this is not a character that sticks around for too long. Uh, And of course, Sonika Martin-Green, also uh, Michael Burnham on Star Trek Discovery. That's it. That's our go-to, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Not Walking Dead. (laughs) Star Trek Discovery. We've got Chad Coleman as Martian Man, a shape-shifting, exiled Martian hero. A shape-shifting Martian hero. His origin and power set, I'm going to say loosely inspired, but it's Martian Man Hunter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just not green. Like, yeah. he's, he, he couldn't be any more Martian Man Hunter. Yeah, my, uh, my approach was going to be, here are the original members. They are loosely based on, yeah, no, they, they're pretty much the characters, especially, yeah. especially that one. We have uh, Michael Cudilts as Joseph, also known as Red Rush. Give you one guess who his character is loosely based on. The Flash. Of course. (laughs) Uh, Lenny James as Darkwing, a gadget-using caped crusader and co-benefactor of the Guardians. Let's um, let's play a game, Jay. Who's he? Who do you play? Iron Man? (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's, no, he's. I mean, it's all in the name, Darkwing. He's Batman. He's yeah, um, Batman. I've got to be honest. I missed it first time. I need to go back in again. Not from The Walking Dead, but going back to the British cop show Line of Duty. And there's a series that he is created. He writes and stars in called Save Me. Lenny James. I've got so much time for him. I really like him. So I need to go back and watch it again now, just so I can hear him as Batman. That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, Ross Marquand, we talked about him already, and he also voices the Immortal, the millennia-old yeah. and decades-long leader of the Guardians. Yeah. Who, who do you think he is loosely based on? This one's hard because he's basically a good Vandal Savage, You've but got he it. can fly. Elements of Superman. There you go. Yeah. I thought that was going to take longer. Yeah, that's essentially his character. And he dies and he comes back. And and it sounds like he's going to come back again. So yeah. Really uh, hence the name, really cool. The Immortal. He can't die. Well, well, that's it. So it was, well, and apparently, what we get from the show is that not only did he fight in the Crusades, he was the true identity of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> that's apparently a thing in the show and it's with the assistance of the maulers the clones which one's the clone which one's the original they're the ones responsible for the immortal coming back the first time in the show yeah and they are also uh, voiced by kevin michael richardson oh well, we oh, talked about him already the great <laughs> Kevin Michael Richardson. Yeah, and they are they're in the show a lot, and the, the dynamic of them is really intelligent. In fact, it's when they're working to clone the young body for Robot that he asks them, "Why do you always do that?" Because I've just cloned a new one, and they always talk down to each other like they're the smart one and the original, and the other one's the clone. And they're like, "Oh, we needed to, because if one of us was absolutely sure we were the clone, or the other one was the clone." We'd, it, we'd always kill each other. Like this way, it puts a question mark in our heads because our memories start and the exact same point. There's no break. It's the only way to keep it even and not yes. be so precious about who they are and who the other one is because they really can't quite remember who's who. It's so. It's such an. It's so, it, it adds so much more depth to the two of them. Yeah. It's a great. It's a great dynamic. One more, well, I'm going to say one more character for Marquand. That's not true because he's going to pop up again. But he also voices Acreus or Acris, <laughs> yeah. a hydrokinetic fishman from the undersea nation of Atlantis. One guess. Who's he? Who's he a pastiche yeah. of? Yeah, clearly Aquaman. Um, <laughs> except they give him. The whole body of a fish and the legs and arms of a man rather than just a man who swims underwater. It's a different approach. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We've Reverse got the global... man. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the Global Defense Agency. Uh, the GDA coordinates superhero responses globally and utilizes advanced technology in expediting their recovery or resuscitation after death. And they are led by Cecil Stedman. He's the director. And he is voiced by Walton Goggins. Yeah. Uh, and he's great. Guy. 
love this He's guy so going good. back to the shield he was great in sons of anarchy ant-man and the wasp yeah <laughs> he pops up in so many things as well like walton goggins is really like he's he's been everywhere in tv and films like the last probably 15 years um i like yeah he just he's that face you know uh and to him being so synonymous with so many shows and films i've watched like tomb raider i'm pretty sure he was the main villain as well uh, oh yes the, good... the new one with um, alicia Vikander. yeah yeah um but yeah he he really is nick fury uh in every sense of the word yeah, he's always he playing is. multiple agendas he's like he is very comfortable in the dark and doing making questionable moral decisions or immoral decisions it doesn't matter one way or another um you know he's he's great and he has all the tricks of the trade but really fascinating character and Walton Goggins is so good oh like, he's, he's he really is uh, he he really is. you know the the last film I watched him in was Fat Man you know the film where <laughs> Mel Gibson plays Santa Claus <laughs> yeah and uh, Goggins is a hitman but yeah he he is so good he's got such a distinctive voice if you know him you know he's voicing this character, and you're right. He is essentially the the Nick Fury type. And when Nolan starts to go against the GDA, he's the one that's essentially deploying all the countermeasures. He has the confrontation where he's teleporting. Yeah, he, he's really he's really good in this. We're, we're getting good Goggins here. Yeah, um, and you know he does have a Coulson of his own. Uh, the character, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Donald Ferguson, played by Chris. Uh, what Diamantopoulos? Well done. Uh, I thought I was going to tackle that name. <laughs> you know, he he's done so much animation, but he um he played an eccentric rich guy in Silicon Valley in the later seasons. Yeah, yeah, he's so great. good in that. So good in that. But I often see him pop up in in animation, and yeah, like he is essentially the the Coulson character here. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, spoilers, he does not survive the season. No, 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 no. <laughs> when, when Nolan eventually finds out that the GDA was spying on his home, he kills him violently. He grabs his spine. Like it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty brutal. And then, and then he rains hell down upon himself to yeah. hopefully try and slow Nolan down. Doesn't take. Nah, Doesn't, not no. even, not at all. Yeah, and which is what, something I love about uh, whenever you see things deployed against Nolan. Uh, you know, the first episode, you see him take out the Guardians of the Globe solo. And it takes a beating on him because he's taking on eight, uh, it's like seven or eight superpowered beings all at once. And each one requires a specific response. But uh, like the, uh, the red... Drake, like he's pummeling his chest as he's squishing his head yeah. to, to pop it, but he's taking a beating in those those sec those few seconds it takes him to close his hands. Um, the immortals probably on par in terms of strength, um, but you know he gets his head just hand sliced off. But he's take he takes a few hits from him in the meantime. Uh, the Green Lantern girl can phase and he finds a way to make her 
go solid so he can punch, put his hand through her, her face. <laughs> and, you know, the Wonder Woman character just snaps the neck. But he takes a beating throughout through them all in this initial attack. Um, but everyone else, it's, it's shooting spitballs at a media. It like, <laughs> it's yeah. completely used. I mean, there's, there's so many brutal deaths in this a lot <laughs> and especially like we said in in episode eight we've got yeah, the coalition uh, of planets we get one character but we hear of the coalition as being a big presence and i'm sure we're going to get to them in upcoming seasons but the only character we meet is alan the alien voiced yeah. by <laughs> seth rogan and you didn't even need to be told that no, no, not at all. Seth Rogen, like straight away, you're like, that sounds like Seth Rogen, and yeah. and it is, yeah. And it, I like it as well because he's not a big character, so and yeah, with Seth Rogen being one of the people behind the show, you know, he could have easily given himself a much media role, and you couldn't really blame him. But he wisely chooses a character that his voice is probably perfect for, because yes, you know he I is. Agree coming to earth all the time they don't know why they think he's like an attacker but not you know omni man's been the one who's been stopping him every single time uh and then when he finally fights invincible he realizes he's got the name of the planet wrong he's supposed to be checking in on <laughs> he's supposed to be after wath not earth <laughs> and uh yeah and it's like it's that kind of feel of like oh dude man i'm so sorry and they just sit down and have like a conversation on the moon um and he's great. And as I said, Seth Rogen's voice like fits him to a T, not just the animation style, but kind of his personality of like, you know, he seems like this like strong threat, but he's, he's just doing his job. It's like, you asked me to come and like check you guys out, see if you were ready. And like by attacking you, like you got to be able to defend yourself. It's like, oh man, I'm going to get busted. Don't tell anyone <laughs> I've been doing this. <laughs> and it's interesting, isn't it? Because it is pretty much played for last when we first, meet the character, but then in episode eight, it gets a lot more serious. Yeah. And he reveals that Viltrum conquered his home world and destroyed it after a rebellion, forcing his people to adopt breeding camps to keep them from extinction. It goes into a much darker place. And that's when he says to Mark that Viltrum don't give up. Like they, they're going to come for you. And it's like, yeah. and you, you know, this is like the season one finale, and it's like already you're getting teased all these big things, and on that gag as well, where Alan the alien is like, so what are you gonna do? And then Mark's like taking a moment, and you're cutting to all the bad things that are happening all over the earth, and then he's like, graduate, okay. yeah, <laughs> graduate high school. Yeah, yeah, you think it's that it's actually done a cutaway, but these are just everyone else doing their preparations yes. for various things, and they catch All back the and he's like, "It's gonna finish high school," and he's ah, what the hell's high school? But yeah, it's like yeah, it's so that subversive humor they slip into the show works really yeah, well. It, it really does. Um, okay, we've got so many more characters to to get to, so we'll we'll work our way through them. We've got we'll do the villains, and then we're gonna have other characters that appear. So we'll be talking about people like um, ZZ Beats as Amber. I think we touched on her already, the girlfriend of Mark. But let's go through the villains. And we have talked about some already. And you've said his name already. Let's let's um, get it one more time from you, Jay, who's playing Donald Ferguson. 
Oh, yeah. Chris Dimentopoulos. Thank you very much. He's also voicing Doc Seismic, an earthquake-generating <laughs> mad scientist. So many yeah. heroes, villains, supporting characters, and that's why we've got so many characters and, and so many so many cast members to talk about. It's really quite impressive, like the, the quality of the show. Once again, we've got Ross Marquind, this time as Biplane, a flight suit-wearing villain who fights the immortal before getting tossed into space. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, Mark Mark flies to Mars, and you can see his like corpse still orbiting oh, the planet. <laughs> we see, we see, we see the corpse. Let's have a look. Oh, Mark Quind also voices Kursk, an electrokinetic villain. He's defeated by Red Rush and later one of Machine Head's hired villains. That might be all for Ross Marquand. Well, I've lost track about how many times we've mentioned him and the characters <laughs> that he's played. Um, this, I think, was a great get for the show. Marcella Ali as Titan, oh, uh, yeah. a criminal enforcer who manifests a regenerative stone skin armor at will. Straight away, you're thinking, well, this is clearly the Luke Cage character. If you cash yeah. in, I'm back to season one of that Netflix show. Ali was in it as the bad guy. He was caught. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now he's pretty much playing Luke Cage. Only yeah. he's a bad guy. But then that Netflix show, what was it, season two? That's where it left us. We yeah, this is Luke almost Cage like walking over a criminal empire. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, not only does his uh, powers work really intelligently because it does break off and he has to, like, take time to regenerate it, which is why, you know, he's a first person, like, invincible fights because he can, yeah, he's got, and he's got to, like, be careful of his strength because if he punches him too hard, he will put his hand right through him. So he's, like, using him as kind of like a punching bag of, like, how hard do I have to hit one of these people? But, um, yeah, when he comes back in, I think it's episode five, and he asks for Mark's help because he was just working off a debt for Machine Head. Um, Machine uh, after he's worked it off, Machine Head's like, "Yeah, you're way too, uh, you're way too useful. I can't let you go." Um, so he goes to Invincible to like, "Here's a bad guy that isn't getting looked at. You need to take take him out." Um, and the that episode, you know, Omni Man tells his son, I'm not going to help you. Like you're going to find out it's a terrible idea. <laughs> the end of the episode ends. The guardians get their asses handed to him. Mark gets beaten horrifically. And the whole yeah. time you're watching, you're like, Omni man, he's up there watching. He's going to step in. That, yeah. Step that, in. Was, that was at some point. Moments. Yeah. And yeah, instead he's get he gets, I, I thought I, by the end of the episode, I'm like, is he dead? He's almost like he dead. Gets, yeah. He, Just like episode oh bad. Eight. He looks like he's, yeah. he's almost dead. That was a really, really good episode. Machine yeah. Head, voiced by Jeffrey Donovan. And I know yeah. he's done the show Burn Notice and various other things. That's the main thing I know him from. So he was the, the crime lord. But then Titan takes over. Yeah. And part of that group uh, who's uh, there is Battle Beast, who's played... By Michael Dawn, Worf himself from Star I Trek. Don't know how, but I missed it. 
Same. And then when I when I read somewhere that it was Michael Dawn, without going back and rewatching, I'm like, oh yeah, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a noble warrior alien yes. species. Yeah, and he, who beats the crap out of the main character? Yeah, like, of course he is. And then and I like chooses to leave because he's got nothing else to prove. He's essentially yeah. one. There's nobody there worthy. Invincible as a name. I mean, he's is you know he's pushing it, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> you know, he is. Yeah. he's got he's got a target on himself. He's got the big eye for invincible, and yeah. he's just like getting beat left, right, and center. Yeah, and the thing is, you do know because you see it in episode one, Battle Beast gets easily tossed out, uh, tossed aside by Omni Man, which is a good indication for episode eight about just how much stronger his father is than he is uh, for for Invincible, because the fact that someone who completely dominated him, uh, and you watch in episode one, his dad take this guy out without breaking a sweat. Um, and he uses a mace, which is also very yes. Hawkman. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I've just got the wings. There you go. He's yeah. a character. <laughs> Ezra Miller is in this show. You know, he's currently the Flash on the big screen. Uh, but here, here he is as D.A. Sinclair, a mad scientist with an, an obsession of improving humanity. He abducts fellow students to turn them into cyborgs, and he's horrific awful you know what he's yeah. what he's doing and you mentioned mark's best friend before so we've got andrew reynolds as william clockwell who later finds out or invincible mark reveals himself hey i'm invincible i'm a superhero well you've got the episode at the campus and william has got a crush on that guy He's taken and transformed or turned into one of those cyborgs. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he's the guy, his crush is Steve, voiced by John Hamm. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. You're like, okay, like John Hamm just pops in because why not? You oh, know? So many actors of that caliber are just popping in. But yeah, that's right. I, I missed that, but I read it afterwards. That Ham is playing Steve. So you've got that emotional connection. And that's at a time where Invincible was a bit down on his look. And he's like, maybe I'm not going to do this anymore. And um, but if he was doing it, he would have been able to save Steve. But he didn't. Yeah. So then there's that guilt in the background. He's still got his friendship with William. So there's, a, there's so much going on here. It's more than superheroics and gore. There's a lot of a lot of drama as well, but we can keep going with the impressive cast. Like, I don't know, Mark Hamill is in this show. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, of course he is. Why wouldn't he, he be? He's playing Art Rosenbaum, a tailor and longtime friend to many superheroes. He's the one that stitches up their suits or does new designs when they want an update or an upgrade. And yeah, he features quite quite a lot. And he he's helping mark's mom with her investigation because he knows yeah. omni-man and, or nolan and they go back many years so they're exchanging stories and theories so he actually plays quite a big part in this yeah he's uh he's the one who created the costume for nolan he's the one nolan takes mark to when he needs a costume um 
Yeah, and he's, as you said, he's the one who does the uh, forensics on Nolan's bloodied costume for Debbie to, f- to help solve. And he's like, look, I know I, I know this, and I can tell you where the oldest blood is, and it's on the fists because yes. Nolan struck first. He struck first. <laughs> that, was, that was a great reveal and a bit of investigative work. <laughs> that was, yeah. That was really good. And who do they start the investigation with? Damien Darkblood, played oh, by Clancy Brown. Yes. I mean, come on. They're going for the greats here. <laughs> you yeah. know, Lex Luthor himself from Superman yeah. the Animated Series. I know, and he's, you know, he's half John Constantine, half the Blue Devil, half Damien Darkblood, half Hellboy. He's like kind of a oh, mishmash I... of all... Most of that, but I was getting more Etrigan the Demon than Hellboy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Damien Darkblood. Yeah. But yeah, it's he's all those things. And yeah. It's kind of sad to see him go, to be honest, because he, same. Um, it was it was cool because he was like he was like a journalist, you know, he's going around, he's collecting clues, he's making notes in his little notebook. Yeah, he was yeah. a really cool uh, character, and he got sent yeah, back not, to hell. Not killed. Yeah, not killed. So he might pop off again. But yeah, yeah, really interesting character. I like the thing they do with a he pops around and he leaves people with cold breath because he changes the atmosphere and stuff. Um, Because he just pops in and out, which is how Nolan knows he's onto him, because he breathes out in his house and he's immediately like that that demon piece of shit. He's onto me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and of course Clancy Brown, like you know, such a distinctive voice, perfect for the character he's playing. Oh, he, yeah, he was great. But having Clancy Brown, Mark Hamill, and many of the other actors that are in the show, it's just, it makes it so much fun. Like, it's a fun watch anyway, really enjoyable. It's got action, gore, heart, and then you've got this phenomenal voice cast. The music on the show, like the composer, it's uh, John Passano. I was unfamiliar with his work. He's known for collaborating with director Wes Ball on the Maze Runner film series, as well as composing for Marvel television series, The Defenders and Daredevil. Ah, so yeah, definitely an alum of the the superhero genre. Yeah, I must admit, the music didn't stand out one way or another except for when you got the title cards and the splash of blood and the you got that kind of like the beat is the really yeah. only the real time it stuck but it, it did its job that's which is be unintrusive yeah. and fit the tone of the scenes it's in but nothing nothing outstanding like you would expect yeah. on You're the big screen unintrusive for the most part in a lot of things but when it comes to superheroes sometimes you want it to be a little intrusive <laughs> you know you 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 want it to be memorable and thinking back on it yes the title cards i can hear the music there nothing from the show and to be honest i didn't stick around for the end credits where i'm assuming you're going to get an extended version of what you get at the title cards yeah stuck around for some of the end credits but the final episode was a a punk rock song if i remember right um, or but I, I, a popular, I was a like a, a modern song, not not anything composed, which fit the 
sort of feeling at the end of the last episode really well as a, like a beat between um, you know, the group of friends at the burger place and uh, his idea of like, I'll just take it as it comes. Um, yeah. For, but yeah, um, you know, we've talked on and on about it um, in terms of my rating for this show. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to bid around the bush. For me, this is five. This is five out of five. I was so engrossed every episode, every part of every episode, the phenomenal voice cast, the phenomenal writing, um, the animation is brilliant. It's, you know, the, it's so colorful and distinctive, uh, which helps sell every aspect, whether it's something emotional, like you would expect off like a like high end animated show or even a film from Disney or someone or like that. But yeah, everyone is hitting it out of the park. It's, you're not just the base that Robert Kirkman presented, but all of the other writers, all of the directors of the episodes, I think easy five out of five. I, I, I was spent all week like in anticipation of watching the next episode. It was one of those things. I couldn't believe people weren't watching it. Like going around people like, Oh, what are you up watching at the moment? I'm like, you gotta be watching invincible. Have you watched invincible? Watch it. Check me. Trust me. Yes, it's animated, but just get to the end of the first episode. If that does not get you hooked, I don't know what to tell you, but yeah. Um, phenomenal. I, I, I can't believe now I've got to wait for season two. It's <laughs> going to be painful. I'm going to have after, a, some serious itch. But then after series two, we get series three already confirmed. You know, I will just talk about the music there, but that aside, I'm also going to come in at a, a five. Like I, I loved every, every minute of this and it really was appointment television. It's Friday, new invincible. Yeah. And it was yeah, so absolutely. good having, having it to look forward to. And again, like I got so many episodes in and I went and bought the trade. That's how much I was enjoying it. I just knew once the series or season wrapped, I want to carry on and read the comic. It's all the things that we, that we mentioned. It is such a well put together show and, and the runtime as well. So most episodes sat around 40, 45 minutes. Perfect yeah. runtime for a show like this and never got bored thrilled and there's just so much going on i did enjoy the mystery of why omni-man did what he did uh, the reveal paid off and it yeah it is it is a lot of fun but like yourself though i know so many people that i've just not even started watching it and these are people that love the mcu they're a fan of superhero adaptions but this for some reason isn't watched by everybody but hopefully that changes because there is so much to enjoy here and you've not got the safety net of DC and Marvel, like the violence, like a character, like they might not stick around. They may be murdered. That's not going to happen in an Avengers cartoon, in a Justice League yeah. cartoon. So there's real stakes here and it really is an adult superhero animated series. It's, it's a lot of fun. And yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Five, out of five. Yeah. Well, that's it for our episode all about Invincible Season 1. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. <laughs>